right, Justin, sing me a song that makes you think about sea monsters. Hmm. A song that makes me think about sea monsters. Does Ursula count? Because she was kind of, she turns into a sea monster. She's technically a sea witch. But she did have sea monsters. She does become she a has sea monster. I mean, how did she become a sea monster? She just becomes a giant. A giant big sea witch. She's just a big sea witch. That's just what I think of with it. Is that's a big sea witch. But I mean, well, if I sang poor unfortunate souls, it wouldn't count. You, I don't know. I wouldn't get a point. I, I can't tell you that. You, you have to shoot your shot. Uh, we're going to go for it, man. Damn, how does that song even go? You poor unfortunate souls. It's sad, but true. And I don't know anything else. That's it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to delay judgment while we hear Heather's. And then I will render my verdict. All right, Heather, go. <laughs> Mine was going to be under the sea. Under the sea, darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. How does that make you think of sea monsters, though? It's such a happy song. You don't think of well, monsters were... during it. Yeah, but these were good sea monsters. They're just sea creatures. They're just normal sea creatures. None of them are monsters. Yeah, but they were in that viewed song. as monsters. No, they weren't. But also, a... they're because they're under the sea. Because yeah, but I didn't. Say, I didn't want like, this, this. I'm just talking about sea monsters. When you first heard that song, you didn't think of it. You didn't think of sea monsters when you first heard "Under the Sea." I would well, argue, based on what you said, though, that correlation only comes because of this movie, and more or less, probably comes just because of this question. I feel like that's very forced. Well, I feel like um, you're very specific in what you what you need us to do. So <laughs> that's the best I could do based on the uh, limitations and I was given for this question. that feels like sassy ass attitude. <laughs> no, it's just the truth. Ah, I and, gave it a go. And this judge does not like the sass. No points for Heather. Oh boy. And just because of that, no points for Jasmine. Sorry, Justin. I was just trying to prove my point. Well, what I was going to do is then after Heather did hers, I was going to give her the option to whether or not she would allow yours. But she's all sassy, which means that she would just do it without (laughs) actually taking the facts into account and just do it to stick it to me. And we can't allow that. (laughs) So that's why it's an ex facto. Justin does not get a point either. I'm just saying, you're you have limitations on yeah. you're very specific. So sometimes it's hard to do like exactly what you're asking for. Yeah, but I know so that's the best I could come up with. I know of at least ten songs that would have counted. For but this. you're not going to tell us what they are. Ten songs. Okay, can you tell me one of them? I more specifically, I would have counted any song. Off of Mastodon's Leviathan album. Yeah, I unfortunately wouldn't have been able to do Which is like Blood and Thunder, I Am Ahab, Sea Beast, Island, Iron Tusk, Megalodon, Naked Burn, Aqua Dementia, Hearts Alive, or Joseph Merrick. 
any of those 10 songs would have counted. Because one of the reoccurring themes of that album is kind of like, not the original sea monster, but it's like the American, like the original American sea monster. All based around Moby Dick. And, like I said, the album's called Leviathan, which by definition is a sea monster. So I see. I mean, just as a counterpoint, though, aren't sea monsters found under the sea? Yeah, but like I said, you're only saying that because of this movie and the question. You're not saying that because you listen to Under the Sea and go, man, all those sea monsters. Well, yeah, but also... See, you just admitted the song doesn't actually remind you of sea monsters. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, yeah, I didn't listen to Under the Sea and think of it because I just watched this movie. So (laughs) I didn't listen to it and think, you know what? That reminds me of sea monsters and that reminds me of this film. Exactly. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I didn't have to remind you of this film. I'm just saying, you don't listen to Under the Sea at any other point in time and go see monsters. Okay. All right. I give up. The sassy attitude. I guess we're poor, unfortunate souls. Yeah. So By sad. default, so I made true. you lose, Jason. This one wants to be thinner. This one wants to get the girl. And do I help them? Yes, I do. I remember some more of it. <laughs> it's coming there back. You go. And it still doesn't fit. I'm just Man, saying, and that part where she steals um, Ariel's voice, man, that part was just crazy. Sing, ah, keep singing, <laughs> and then you see like the voice in the form of like that bubble or whatever it was coming out of her. That was crazy, dude. I was like, oh my god, her voice when I was a kid. What the fuck is this? Just now a commentary on Little Mermaid. <laughs> Jeez. I just don't even know what to say anymore. I don't. <laughs> Other than I feel more justified in my verdict. Do you think they should do an Ursula Disney prequel like they did Cruella? Yeah. Wait, what did you say, Sterling? Do you think they should do like a Disney villain prequel with Ursula like they did Cruella? I honestly wouldn't be opposed to it. Yes. I think it would be kind of a fun movie. Yes, because I think there would actually be something to add to that movie, because what happened between her and King Triton, you know, what was that relationship like? How did she wind up becoming the Sea Witch? I think there's actually some questions there you could add, you could answer and stuff like that. What Disney you know, villain did, do you think deserves that treatment the most, like next? Hmm. Honestly, Ursula might be up there for me. That would just be a just a fun ride. We're talking Disney yeah, villains, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do any villain, but I'm just going based on the theme of Cruella. Because I know you guys did the Cruella episode. I actually just this weekend finally actually watched Cruella. And then you guys were bringing up Little Mermaid and Ursula and all this other stuff. So I'm just wondering. It just popped in my head. That is a good question. I'm going with Ursula right now, maybe just because you brought it up, but I just think that would be a good movie. Um, Ursula and Scar would probably be my top two, just from Disney villains. Scar, that's a good one, too. I think it should be Scar, 
or uh, Dr. Fostier from Princess and the Frog. Just because I want to oh, see, yeah. like, I want to see him start as a kid and be all like innocent and all this other shit, and then slowly start just selling his soul away. <laughs> yeah, those would all be good, actually. Because there's so many metaphors you could do with the whole selling of your soul and stuff and bargaining with the devil or, you know, demons or spirits, however you want to word it. I just think that'd be an interesting way of handling it. Yeah, I agree. Although I wouldn't want them to do what they did in Cruella because, well, I think Cruella is a fine movie. I actually have big issues with the way they handled the character because now I don't feel like there's a good way to connect Cruella that we got in the animated movies. Yeah, I can see that. That was my one of my bigger issues with it is you don't walk away thinking she's a villain. You know, yeah, she's not evil, and I don't see how they can take this version of Cruella and take it to the level, or even her little henchman either, Horace and Jebediah, or whatever the fuck their names were. I don't see where you yeah. can take all of them and get them to the point to where they're okay with kidnapping puppies and murdering them, based on this movie. Yeah, we talked about that exact thing, and we were like, well, should this just kind of be looked at as its own thing, kind of like a reimagining of these characters, but not really a connector? Because they kind of just made their own story. Even at the end, she's responsible for the 101 Dalmatians. I thought she always you know? was. I don't, not necessarily with Pongo, but I thought she gave Anita Perdita. I always thought that that was the story. I could be misremembering it, but I thought that that was in the story. That well, the Perdita was given to Anita by Cruella. I believe you're right. Yeah. I don't I remember don't Pongo remember. with Roger. I went back and kind of looked at, now I didn't look at the entire movie. I just kind of was looking at clips with Cruella just to kind of remember the character. And whenever she comes to the house trying to get the dogs. I don't remember her saying anything about, you know, I gave you that dog or anything like that. It was just like she had heard that they had all these Dalmatians and she knew her because they were, they were classmates. So that part they kept in this uh, new movie about them being classmates. So she knew her, so they had history, but she was only there because she was like, oh, hundreds of Dalmatians, I can make a fur coat. (laughs) That's pretty much what I gathered from what I watched. But that little detail, I didn't didn't hear that in the stuff that I watched, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there, you know? I could, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to remember. I don't remember the beginning of that movie either. Or maybe the book. I just, I don't know why that was in my head. Could it have been in the live action with, uh... I've definitely seen the animated movie more than I have that fucking piece of shit. Although, what's her name? Glenn Close did a great Cruella. I just thought it was dumb with the live dogs. And she was a, I think she was a producer on this one, on the Cruella one, which was kind of cool. Possibly. We are a long way from Luca. We're not that far. (laughs) They're at least <laughs> Disney and animated. <laughs> so we're not that far. I guess. <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. I'm not seeing anything about it. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything about it but in the book either. But apparently in the book, it's not even the same either. So 
I have no idea. Oh, I've forgotten the the live action one. Roger is a video game designer instead of a song composer. Oh, you know, part of this I am remembering is from that. You are slightly right because uh, in the live action one, she works for Cruella. Oh, geez. So you're right on part of that, Justin. Way to go. Yeah, I know. I know my Disney. La di fucking da. Don't know what a fucking sea monster is, though, motherfucker. Just saying. Man, it kind of counts. Man, nah. Witches aren't monsters, bro. You need to get over that. We need to start, stop stereotyping like that. It all depends on how you look at her. <laughs> See? See? All on that, all on that stereotype. Just saying. All right, let's actually go into Luca. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Jastin. And tonight, or today, or however, whenever you're listening to this episode, we will be talking about Disney Pixar's Luca. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with that movie. We will go spoiler-free, then recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. Now, with this, we will start spoiler-free. So, uh, Justin, give us your spoiler-free thoughts about Luca. All right. Um, I guess in a nutshell, I feel like this movie is um, is a good Pixar movie. Uh, I don't know if it's great or in the upper echelon, but I think it is a good film. It's a solid film. And I don't know, maybe that's just enough for what um, this movie is. You know, I think that it has um, some very good voice acting um, throughout in the film. The Italian Riviera setting is is very beautiful. The animation is great. The water just looks I mean, man, I was in awe how the water was looking in this. Like, there were there were times where I was just like, "That is that real water?" Like, how did they animate that to look like that? Like, there were just parts where I was just kind of mesmerized by how well the animation looked. But you know, they still kept everybody kind of with their own distinct. Um, cartoony kind of look and stuff like that so it's never anything to where this not isn't one of those types of things where they're trying to animate everything to look completely real but still you know my hat is off to them for just how great these movies seem to look from movie to movie and it made me think about how um especially since we're dealing with um creatures or people that are or characters, I guess would be the best way to put it, that are living underwater. It made me think about just how far they've come. Because when you think about the Finding Nemo movies and how that though and how they looked underwater and how those underwater 
the underwater scenery in those movies are. And then you look at this, it's like amazing. It's like going to from one an older console to a next gen console on just and you're seeing um you know this is the sequel to this game and it was on this old console but now look how it looks on this new one that's what it felt like it was like you know seeing the difference between like the first halo and then like halo 3 or something like that that's what this felt like it's just you know when you when you think about those other underwater pixar movies and then you look at this one it's just like man dude what an achievement how look how far they've come and it just makes me go man there's just gonna be I guess we're just going to keep advancing until you almost just can't tell the the real from the animated. It's just going to get to a point to where everything just looks so real. You're just going to be questioning it. I'm just convinced now after seeing just how far they've come with their animation. Uh, so, yeah, man, I was just constantly in awe of that. But with that being said, it wasn't just because of like some of the realism and details and stuff like that. I just think that this is just a very beautiful film. Like it's just very summery and you know, the sun is out and we're in water and stuff like that. And I think it was just a perfect compliment to what is going on now. You know, we're, we're in the middle of summer and that's what people are doing. They're hitting the water. You know, you're trying to, you know, you're, it's hot outside. The sun is out. And, and, you know, with summer comes certain visuals, you know, people dress a certain way. People are thinking about vacations. You know, you think about certain things when the summer season comes around. So, uh, this just is in the spirit of that. So everything is very bright. Everything is very colorful. You know, it just has that summer feel to it, which I think really complements the movie and what it's trying to say. And I mean, it wouldn't be a Pixar movie without having some sort of messages um, beneath the surface, um, so to speak. And beneath it all, you know, Pixar is always good about that. They always try to say something just beyond the movie that you're watching. And there's a lot of good stuff here as far as just, of course, you've got like familiar beats like the fish out of water and stuff like that. But there's some real stuff, good stuff here about acceptance, about tolerance of other people, about you know, hiding a certain part of yourself that's your true self and then sort of coming out in a way, you know, kind of like not coming out in that way, but just being able to fully express who you are and what you are and being okay and people being okay with that, people being tolerant of that. And I think that is very fitting, especially for the month that this was released, because this was released during Pride Month. So it almost seems fitting that some of these themes about tolerance and self-acceptance and other people accepting you and 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 you know, things like that are in here. But then, um, but I think at the very core, it's just a, it's just a story about friendship and that aspect of it and how hard that can be and how, uh, friendships can go through different levels of, you know, difficulties and things like that. And there's a tolerance and acceptance that also comes with friendships, and things like that as a person matures as a person kind of 
comes into who they are as well. So there's a lot of that stuff in here. Now, with that being said, I think I believe it's in there, but I don't think that they take the deep dives. I guess that's kind of funny that this is a water movie and I'm saying deep dives, but there was no pun intended. But they don't take the deep dives that I think that some of Pixar's best movies take. Like, I feel like a lot of this is kind of that they touch on it. A lot of it is surface level, but then they kind of leave it alone. And it seemed like this movie preferred to keep things really light. They didn't want to go too dark. This one preferred to keep it light and less on the philosophical and things like that. So it's a big contrast to me from something like Soul, which was very like philosophical and very just like intellectual and, and, and the issues it dealt with were very like kind of a little more mature, a little heavier issues that that was talking about. Um, but this is not that, which is probably why I don't like it as much as something like Soul. But that doesn't make it a bad movie. I think that they just took a more brighter, sunnier, you know, summer approach with this. They wanted it to be lighter. They wanted it to just be feel good. And that feel good, genuine feeling, I think, does come through in this film. So overall, I do think it's good. I think families will enjoy this. I think that this is, you know, one of those movies where nothing in it happens that's just terrible or anything like that, that to where I wouldn't recommend this, but definitely not what I would call one of the like kind of game changer films that Pixar can sometimes come out with as well. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I agree a lot with uh, what Jason's saying about it. I think, I mean, the word that comes to mind mostly with this movie is just delightful and warm. I think it's it's just a, you know, lighthearted, mostly lighthearted type of film. Um, I mean, I, I also don't think it is the, you know, upper tier of Disney classics or anything like that, but I do appreciate it. I think it's um, it seemed to be like a lower you know, like not as, not as well, you know, marketed or I I feel like I didn't hear as much about this movie before seeing it as I do so many other Disney movies. So, um, but yeah, but I think that, you know, they, they made this a little bit more of, um, it seemed like a low key thing just so that you could just enjoy it for what it was. And, um, I, I mean, yeah, it definitely has those, those moments of, you know, just learning about your identity and, uh, friendship and acceptance and, you know, supporting each other as, as family or as friends. And it wasn't an overly tragic story in any sort of way. Uh, you do see that in a lot of Disney films. I also, well, I don't want to give, I'll say this in the spoiler section, but, um, but yeah, I think that, the the scenery was great. You really do feel like it was, you know, a little town in Italy. And um, I do think the voice acting was great. I I really appreciated and liked the diversity of the people they have in this, the diversity of how everybody looks and, you know, even including people with disabilities and just things like that, I think is a really cool thing. And, and I think it's very, 
it, it shows a lot that, you know, Disney and just in general, how the world is sort of progressing in being, including people, all people. And I appreciated that they did that with this. Um, you know, it is a very inspirational type of story. And I think that it's fun, you know, it's a fun film. It's, um, I think it does its job. It's enjoyable. It is entertaining enough. It's again, like it's not on my top list of, you know, great Disney classics or anything like that, but it's not bad. Like it is a, it's a solid film. It's a solid film with a good story and a good plot and it's creative. So I really, um, overall, I will say that for me (laughs) being somebody who's not like, I love animated films as much as a lot of other people might. I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a good one. So, um, yeah, I, it was pleasant. It was in delightful little, you know, escape of a story and it does have that summertime feel and maybe they did that on purpose, but yeah, it just, um, yeah, it, it was just something that I, I did, I did find it to be a pleasant film and yeah, I, I just enjoyed it. All right. I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or just disgruntled or just because I watch all this bullshit all the time or what it is. But to me, this is just a fine movie, like the definition of a fine movie. And I feel like a lot of stuff that Pixar's come out with lately just doesn't hit me like they used to. I think the last time that a, a Pixar movie really like surprised me or got me or anything like that was Toy Story 4. And that was so long ago. I mean, we're, they released, what, two Pixar movies a year-ish? And yeah, yeah, that was three movies ago. I mean, four technically, if you count it. But like this movie, though, did make me appreciate Soul more. I did think the visuals were better in Soul. But I think a lot of things with this, like I know Jasmine was talking about how the water effects in this were, you know, way better than all this other stuff. But for me, it kind of just felt like a lot of the same. Like it, it wasn't anything spectacular with the water stuff compared to some of the other movies we've gotten recently. I mean, we might not have had water scenes in them, but I feel like the visuals were still on par with stuff we've seen recently. But I think a lot of the other aspects of it kind of feel like they're a little bit too similar in a way that I feel like Pixar's kind of gotten lazy with some of the stuff. I feel like the people and the animals and everything like that in this movie are designed a lot like they are in Soul. Like the cat in this movie looks a lot like the cat in Soul. The people in this look like the same people in Soul. But then you also look at Soul and it looks just like Onward. All the people designs are the same, you know, as that movie. And so, and I didn't think that that movie was visually spectacular in the slightest. So you look at these movies and they've just kind of used the same type of character designs over and over again. And I really don't know how I feel about that. Pixar used to be so good at making all their movies feel different than the last one. You know, the only time you would feel like you would get some similarities and stuff is if it was a sequel of something you had seen before. But now it it feels like it's the same shit over and over again. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I feel like 
maybe they're putting out too much. Maybe they need to calm it down and go back to the one a year or something because it's starting to become a little stale. And this movie, on top of that, like I said, is just fine. You know, it doesn't get into anything hugely in depth, like Justin was saying. It doesn't. I didn't even think about it maybe being like an allegory with some of the stuff with Pride Month and stuff like that, which if it is good for it, that's a great thing. But outside of that, I still kind of feel like it's a little too shallow to almost say that that is what it's doing here. And just like Justin would kept making water puns, I guess I'm doing the same thing with the word shallow. But this movie kind of just goes along, 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 and then all of a sudden the ending happens and fuck that ending is quick. Yeah. This this movie, like thematically or like character wise or however you want to word it, does a 180 real fast in the, about the span of three or four minutes at the end of the movie. It is like whiplash inducing wrap up fast. It is so weirdly jarring with that to me. It's like this whole movie's playing out, and then all of a sudden they go, wrap it up, four minutes done. And don't get me wrong, I loves me a short movie. That's one reason why sometimes watching a kid's movie is great. Because kids' movies tend to be around an hour and a half. And I'm like, this is delightful. Right. It just gets in and gets out. But the way this movie wraps up is just so fast that it makes me feel like it wasn't fully thought out. Which then goes back to what I was saying, that it feels like sometimes they're getting a little lazy with this shit. And that hurts. Because the company that used to always feel like they were never resting on their laurels until the Cars franchise came out, and then they were just like, all right, let's print checks for a little bit and just keep making Cars movies over and over again. And then they kind of like dropped out of that for a while, and then they got back to their shit. It feels like they're just fucking complacent as shit now. Which I haven't felt with Pixar since, like I said, the Cars trilogy. Which I call the Pixar Dark Ages. Because that was a bad few years for Pixar. Because they just went, nah, fuck doing Incredibles 2 or any of this other great shit. Let's make (laughs) another Cars movie. Because the first one was just so, oh, so fucking good. And it was just the same shit over and over again. And it was just them being lazy. And that's what this feels like again. I don't feel like the animation was that much better than stuff we've seen. I understand that maybe the water segments themselves specifically might be. But that's fine because the rest of the movie is designed so much like everything else. It's like they just copy and pasted characters designs from other movies into this. Just so they could spend extra time in the water sequences. And got lazy with the rest of the fucking movie. And I don't like that. I mean, the voice acting in this is fine. I think at least all the voices fit people, which I guess that's the sign of good vocal casting in an animated movie. The voices seem to fit. But I don't know. Not too much about this movie really stuck out to me. Like I said, I appreciate Soul more now than I did. Because at least outside of the people design in Soul, they really did have some spectacular visual sequences in that movie. Yeah, And maybe I just was a little too jaded at the time or whatever to really appreciate that for what it was. But like this movie right here made me feel bad for what I did to Soul. (laughs) Because now I'm thinking it could have been this. And this is probably more accurate. 
Because, like I said, this is now the third movie in a row where the character designs are all the same, except, like, palette swaps. This is, like, 1992 Mortal Kombat. Like, shit. It's just <laughs> palette swaps. It's like they take the same fucking character designs and just change some colors, and bam, it's done. I was just really, really bothered by that. I also kind of wish the music was a little better in this. And I only say that just because I really don't remember much of the music in this. I know it's not a musical, but, you know, you still want the music to set the scene and stuff like that. I just don't, like, the music just didn't stand out to me at all. So I don't even feel like it necessarily enhanced the movie. And this, I mean, and this might be a weird gripe, but this movie, they weirdly go back and forth between English and Italian when they're, like, in Italy speaking Italian to each other. But the way they play it off is bothersome to me just because, like, there are sections where they legitimately speak Italian to each other. And, like, I would understand if it's in English just because you use the argument of you're watching it in English, so that's what you understand with the understanding that the characters are speaking Italian to each other. But then they just go back and forth like the characters are speaking English to each other and randomly speaking Italian. I also was weirdly off-put by the thing that, like, the characters, in a way of, like, exclaiming things, would just say the names of cheeses. And that felt weird to me. Like, it felt like a weird stereotype. Mm -hmm. Like, it felt like they were making fun of Italians with that. And I understand. The guy that wrote and directed this is an Italian man. I get that. I'm just talking about how it felt. When they're just like, oh, mozzarella. Or, like, at one point they were like, oh, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, there's this one, Pecorino. Like, one of the characters is like, holy Pecorino. I'm like, you're just saying the names of cheeses. It just feels like a weird stereotype. It feels like somebody is just doing a Mario Brothers impression sometimes with the words they would use. And it's just awkward. And... This movie made me think of something, and I'll wait till spoilers for this, but it it brings to mind a question that I'm going to ask you guys, because I don't know if it's just recency bias because we just watched this movie, and that's why I think it just applies to this or more recent movies, or I want to see if it's something that applies to other movies that maybe I just didn't realize because I watched them as a kid. Um, So I'll wrap this up. So recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yes. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Uh, yeah, I recommend it. I mean, I I do agree with Sterling too a little bit. Like, I mean, I think it's a solid movie, but I also agree that it's not necessarily stand out in any sort of way. It's entertaining. It's a good watch, but it's again like it's not going to be on my like rotation of you got to watch this movie type of thing although it is a solid movie. Um, I like the story they have with it. There are aspects of it that I do enjoy. Um, but And it's not even necessarily like a run-of-the-mill movie, but in a way, it's just... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it tells a good story, but you're not like, oh my goodness, that was, you know, soul-moving. That was like the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. It is inspiring. It has all of the elements that you want from a Disney movie, but none of it's, you know, played up enough and none of it's, none of it really stands out as 
really anything above any other <laughs> Disney movie that you might see. Um, it does all of those elements, but there none of those things that you feel watching this movie are feelings that you, they're, they're not like the feelings that linger with you for long after. Like, for example, you know, we were talking about soul earlier, that movie I think was incredible. And that movie kind of stayed with me even after I saw it, this one, I was like, yeah, that was cute. That was a cute movie. Cool. And that's about it with this movie. Um, but again, it's a solid movie. There's nothing wrong with it. I think the story is good. It's just, you know, we've seen what Disney Pixar can do and, this is not, you know, up there on that level. I even honestly liked Onward more than this, but just because I liked the the story of the brothers and that, but um but it's fine. Yeah. Fine is a good word for it. I think it's even I would even consider it, you know, on more on the good end than the fine end. Somewhere right in the middle of that. Um I will I'm gonna give this 70 uh pushing the bike up the hill until you can just do it all by yourself out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah. I'm also going to recommend it. I think that, I mean, everything Heather said, I think is just true about it. Like it's, you know, it's a good film. Like I said at the beginning, it's a good film. It's not a great Pixar film, but there are a lot of Pixar movies that aren't like great or top tier, you know, so I'm, you know, you, but Pixar has had so many just walk off home runs like that, that I think that sometimes that's kind of the, I guess the caveat with succeeding so much and so often is sometimes you condition your audience to expect that from you every time. And so sometimes you are not accepting something that really is just a solid, good film. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're spoiled by so much excellence, you sometimes forget about like, then you get something that's not as good, but still very good. You're, you're upset about that because you're used to excellence, but you forget about all the trash that you've seen. Like, I mean, I've seen so many bad animated movies. There's no way in hell that I could say that this is not good. Like, I mean, like I've seen so many bad ones there. Oh my God. There are absolute dumpster fire garbage animated movies. And then, you know, and Pixar, they have some of those with some of those, uh, with some of those cars, movies and stuff like that. Um, there was one called planes was that pixar planes or whatever i don't I, it was a spin-off of cars but i think it was technically just made by disney animation okay okay i don't think it's technically under pixar well that was bad too well regardless of what it is i know i know i know what it actually is it was bad so like I have seen so many bad animated movies that I understand a good movie when I see it. And that's what this is. This is a good film, but it's not great. And the problem is Pixar, you expect great from them. So when you don't get it, you're just a little like, uh, you know, this is not hitting the spot. But you know what? I'm going to give them a pass, though, because Soul 
was excellent. Soul is top tier, Pixar to me. You know, Soul was that movie that had such imaginative concepts and all these abstract looking characters and all of this philosophical things that it was trying to say. So I know Pixar still has it because Soul was that movie last year. So this year, you know, we we, we just got a taste of the Italian culture. You know, it's 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 sunny, it's vibrant, it's got some diverse characters that we haven't uh, and and a diverse culture that we haven't really explored before that they haven't explored before in Pixar. It's got some fun, bright visuals that really match the mood and the tone that the film is going for and ultimately it doesn't do anything horrible so it succeeds at just being what it is just a bright sunny type of movie and i think that especially now i think that there will be a lot of families looking for that and there will be a lot of kids that will enjoy these characters and things like that um So I don't know. I don't think that all of these movies have to be excellent and I'm not going to knock it for just being good. You know, just don't be bad. And and because I've seen bad, and so this is definitely not that. So yeah, I I recommend that. I think that families will um, enjoy this. As far as a score, we're going to go with eighty. just 80 awesome shots of rendered Italian pasta and cuisines that was kind of making me really hungry out of a hundred. You can't be eating that shit, Justin. It's made a call. I know, dude. I know, but <laughs> that man, kill you. but man, some It'll of that stuff, you, but dude, some of those, some of that stuff was looking scrumptious though. Like, I'm not even going to lie. It was one, it was one, it was one pasta. They just, they had the same pasta over and over again. It's just there. Nah, but it was looking good, though. But it looked good, though. You gotta admit. It was looking good. <laughs> yeah, the first time. Man, when I saw it for the ninth time, I was like, okay, I get it. You can do that one pasta really good. Calm down, Pixar. Um, <laughs> I think there were more dishes than that, but anyway. <laughs> uh, they, there was that one scene where she shoved all that different pasta in front of Alberto, but... It was done from far enough away that you're not really seeing the individual pasta dishes, really. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I kind of disagree with you, Justin. I think you can hold Pixar to a higher standard. Because, yeah, they have had some flops in the past. And I say this, did anybody ever, did any of you guys, or either one of you guys actually see the movie The Good Dinosaur? No. I didn't see that one. Yeah, that's the one Pixar movie nobody saw. I don't know anybody that's seen The Good Dinosaur. Um, I think it's because of it was Cars. It was like right around the time they were doing like Cars 9 or whatever the fuck they were doing. And just nobody trusted Pixar at that time um, until they did something else. And they were like, okay, Pixar, you, you know, you did something again. I think we can hold Pixar to a higher standard. I think. I think Onward is the equivalent of LeBron James this year, bowing out in the first round for his like first time in his career. Like, yeah, he had had some bad years before and all this other stuff. Those were the Cars years. But I'm talking about like that was that year. It was it was Onward? I think Soul. Like I said, I'm I'm actually now thinking I might go rewatch Soul after watching this. 
Like maybe I was unfair to Soul. So I'm thinking about rewatching that. But this movie kind of reminded me of LeBron James two years ago when he was hurt during the season and the Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. That's what this feels like to me. Like it's not the same. And I understand LeBron James gets a lot of unfair criticism. I think a lot of it, well, not even a lot of it. I think most of it is unfair criticism. But I do think you can talk about a season after going to the NBA Finals for how many ever consecutive years as it was to not even making the playoffs and being injured. I think that's a notable part of his career. I think that that's this. I think Onward was better than this, and I really didn't like Onward. I think I think less about Onward now. The more time that's passed, I think I'm even harsher about it. But I think that this was worse. And I know they can do better. I'm just, I'm seeing too many similarities. I just don't understand why the people designs in the last three movie all look the fucking same. I hate it. Do something different. It just feels like they figured it out, and this is the formula they're doing, and they don't give a shit. They just want to push a boundary for part of the movie, and I guess that that's the fucking underwater shit in that. Other than that, they don't care. And that's not the Pixar I remember. Like, that's not WALL-E Pixar. Can you imagine if WALL-E did the same thing this movie does? It'd be like a fucking shame. Because WALL-E, they gave a fuck about pushing the visuals. And this they didn't. They just made one thing better than they've done before, and they just, like, put the Pixar stamp on it and went, yeah, we're done, I guess. It's like, fuck, man. I was actually kind of enjoying this movie up until they got to that town. And then I kind of just stopped caring the more the movie went. (laughs) I liked it whenever it was, like, him and Alberto were, like, building the Vespa and going down the hill and stuff. I thought that that was fun. Mm -hmm. Especially for a child. I can see where that's really fun. And then they went to the town. It was just kind of some more of the same shit, more of the same shit, more of the same shit, more of the same shit. Done. Yeah, I can see that. I think for for a family movie, I guess it's fine. Kids aren't really going to care about a lot of the shit I care about in this movie. So I think for kids, it's great. But where I think this movie fails is where Pixar typically succeeds, and that is on the family aspect of a, one of their movies. Pixar is typically so good at doing a family movie to where kids, teens, adults, everybody can watch one of their movies and like it or get something from it. I don't feel like this has it for adults. I don't think there's anything in this movie to really make adults give a fuck about watching it. Maybe that is the problem with it. That's a good point. I feel like this movie's too geared for children. And that's not something that Pixar typically does. I understand it's an animated movie, it's a P, it's a G-rated movie, all this shit. I understand it, but that's not Pixar is the one company that would, was so good at making that expand to everybody. And I don't think it expands here. I think this one narrows. So I go to fifty-five. A fifty-five, they apparently were so good at drying off things with their hands out of a hundred because <laughs> they'd get wet and they would just rub their hands on their face and it would dry it off. I'm like, I wish that's how it worked. <laughs> right. Uh, spoilers. 
Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. All right, on to my question. So this movie, and I feel like maybe they've been doing it more recently because Moana kind of did the same thing and all this other stuff. Is it just me or is it not kind of weird that, like, Disney and Pixar animated movies lately feel like they're telling kids, fuck what your parents say, go do whatever you want. (laughs) As long as your grandparent is okay with it. (laughs) That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Is that just something that's now, like, being a thing? Or were, like, our animated movies as children saying the same shit, we just didn't realize it? Because I just feel like it's a recent thing that they're just saying, yeah, kids, fuck what your parents say. Don't listen to them. Go do whatever. Even if it might kill you, just go do it. That's a good point. Anything, Justin? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it, that's a bit extreme. I, I don't think that. I mean, normally in these stories, they always kind of come back and, you know, normally the kids... The, the kids and the parents kind of reach some sort of common ground. I mean, normally that's how things start. The kid is being rebellious. The parent doesn't understand. But normally what happens is, is that once they understand each other, then both parties kind of come to where they need to arrive. So I don't know. I think it is a trope that is used often. It is something that is a device to get the plot moving. So it feels familiar. You feel like you see it a lot. But ultimately, the characters usually arrive to where they're supposed to. No, I get that. I'm just saying, like, it's still, like, even if that is the instigating cause or whatever, it's just very weird that it's always just, like, run away. Like, run away from your parents. It'll work out. I understand that that's not the full message of the theme or anything like that, but like, it's what they do though. (laughs) Like that's what they do. Like even they did it in onward too. Now that I think about it, like at least then one of the kids was an older kid or whatever, but it just kind of feels like recently, like over the last 10 years or so, these movies are just telling kids run away from your parents. They'll learn a lesson. And so will you. And then it'll be okay. And that just seems weird. I understand that at a certain point, people do need to have their own experiences outside of their parents and all this other stuff. I just feel like these movies are doing it with kids that are too young to be able to do that shit. Like, I mean, the kids in this movie are what? Like 10 or 11-ish, 12-ish? And they're just like, nah, you can run away from a home. And then your parents will realize how smart your decision was, and then they'll agree with it and be okay with it in the end. Just feels weird. Like, and like I said, I understand that that's not the message. And yeah, maybe now it is just a trope that they use. But it's just a weird trope to me. Especially in this one. Because he just runs away, and the parents look for him, and then the parents are like, after everything is all said and done, the parents are just like, Yep, you were right to run away. You did so good running away from us. Look at all this shit you did that makes us so proud of us, proud of you for running away. Like, I don't feel like he learned a lesson from running away as much as they learned the lesson from it. And that just seemed weird. Anyway, that was something I thought was weird about this movie. 
also that ties into what I was saying earlier about the end of this movie. They go like this whole movie and they're doing all this shit and it's like the big race they were always talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the race ends, they find out they're sea monsters and everybody just goes, yep, we're cool with sea monsters now, even though we spent the whole movie trying to kill them because this one guy with one arm's like, yeah, sea monsters are fine now. <laughs> and then everybody's just okay with it. The end. That happened so fast. right? Like I just did not understand the logic behind wrapping it up that quickly at that point. Like so much so that like those old women were like, yep, we're actually sea monsters and nobody went fuck. There's sea monsters the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the grandmother just rolls up and she's just like, what's up? And then it's like the one armed guy was like, Hey, what's up Sue or whatever the fuck her name was. And you're just like, where the fuck did that come from? It's like everybody knew she was a sea monster. I knew that she was talking about how she would like go to the surface and all this other shit every once in a while. But then like the end of the movie made it seem like she's been doing that and everybody knew it, that she was like a sea monster when she did it. Just so weird. And like, that's one of the things that like, where I think something like Moana was better than this movie added is like, The grandkid in this movie, Luca, was obviously listening to what his grandmother told and like grandmother was looking out for him and she understood his urges to go do all this shit. But they never had that moment of really talking about it. Like Moana had that. And then it had the instigating factor of the grandmother dying to like truly inspire to like do something and all this other stuff. This movie just kind of had the grandmother saying she went to the surface and then was like covered for him the one time was like, oh yeah, I told him to go get sea cucumbers. I just feel that like him and the grandmother should have had like a conversation like late at night, like where everybody else was asleep and just talk about that stuff or like something like that because they just had her like, like I said, mention it once, cover for the kid. Then she chuckled when he ran away. Like, it feels like she understood what he was going through and related to it or something. And it would have made more sense to have that commonality between them, to have that conversation other than just hint at it and then never acknowledge it really, or like never actually show anything with it. Like, I feel like that was a wasted opportunity to also kind of do that whole thing like, like they did in Moana or something where it's like, you're not like, like have the kid like connect with somebody, you know, and that person be like, Hey, you're not weird for feeling this way. You're not crazy for feeling this way. Yeah. Because I felt the same way too. Like all that stuff, it would have made, it would have, I think been way more impactful. And I think it would have made the movie deeper if they had done that. And they just missed the opportunity and just didn't care. And I just found that, so jarring to miss something like that in a movie like this, you know? Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, this movie is just so paint by the numbers for so many of its other scenes. I mean, so much of this movie is just, you know, it was obvious they were going to find out they were sea monsters and it was obvious that everybody was going to be okay with it. Like I said, they just did it way too fast. It's just everything else about this movie was just kind of straightforward. You know, I did think that it was a really weird villain. 
Like, he's kind of just a weak villain. Like, he's the villain because, like, he's an adult that beats kids in a race. He was just weird. Right. Yeah, we don't need his origin story. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> like, what's it going to be? Some, like, Rocky-type movie where he's just training for a race, and then he wins it because he's an adult, right. and then he just becomes bad because he's like, now I have the power. And he just keeps winning the race and beating children. Like, Basically. Why were all the adults just okay with this man? This is a fucking grown man <laughs> beating up right. on children, and everyone is just okay with it? That's so weird. Well, like, he was 16, right? Like, it wasn't that... Wasn't he 16? Well, that was the joke. I don't think he was actually 16. Oh, that was a joke? I oh, thought so, I thought because that they was said... Actual age. They were like, oh, aren't you too old for this? And he's like, I'm 16. And they were like, that's what you said last year. And he's like, well, it's true this time. I To me, it's implying that he's, like, in his 20s. Okay, so he... Okay. Because so I thought there's also teens. the line earlier in the movie where they were talking about how, like, he's way too grown for this, but just keeps doing it. I mean, either way, like I said, they portrayed him at least like he's an 18-year-old. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes, Worst I do case scenario, that. Yes. He's 18. Racing a bunch of 11-year-olds for prize money. For prize money. <laughs> and all the adults are just okay with him doing this shit. Like, why is no adult in this town just slapped him and gone, grow the fuck up? Yeah, stop racing with the kids. Yeah, something. Like, <laughs> like why does nobody do that? They, like, why is everybody in this town so reliant on their children to, like, teach other adults what to do? Like, it's so weird. And I understand that that's kind of like the the kid dream. Like, everybody wants to be the kid that teaches adults something. Like, <laughs> right. hey, adults, I know something you don't. And I'm going to be the one that solves the problem. Because I'm a kid. It's like that weird fantasy, but it just fails. You know? Like, it's almost like it's you want it to be like the Goonies. Where like a bunch of kids take down the bank robbers that the kids or the, the adults couldn't stop. And they're the ones that solve the, you know, the treasure map when the adults couldn't do it. All that type of shit. It, it feels like the same thing. Like, you know, oh, I'm a kid. I'm going to, you know, understand sea monsters better than the adults. Or I'm a kid. I'm going to beat this adult at a race. That the other adults should have just not let happen anyway. Especially for prize money. Like, what the fuck kind of bullshit is that? Like, we just had somebody for the Olympics get disqualified for smoking weed. But these motherfuckers in this town are just going to be okay with an adult essentially stealing money from children. Like, and all these adults are the ones that are giving these children the money to get in this race. And they are all okay with another adult just stealing that money from their children. What kind of fucking town is this? Also, it's just kind of weird that all these sea monsters live in a town right next to this Italian village that is obsessed with hunting sea monsters. Why the fuck would they just move like not right. next to this murder village? 
Because that's what they thought it was. A murder village. Like, if I lived in a house that was like, I don't know, a hundred feet from a bear den, and it was just like, I don't know, like a hundred bears that were notorious for murdering people, I would just not live in that house. I'd go, you know what? Let's not live next to the murder den. Just throwing that out there. It just seems weird. It's also just very weird to me that everybody in this movie is super Italian. And then it's Tina Fey and Jim Gaffigan. Just not Italian at all. Just don't sound Tina Italian. Fey's in this? Not Tina Fey. I'm sorry. Maya Rudolph. You're right. You called me on that. Maya Rudolph. Oh, okay. Gotcha. The mom. Okay. I yeah, gotcha. the mom and the dad, they just don't sound Italian at all. Right. But like their kid does. And I'm talking about underwater before they like, you know, go up around Italy and stuff. It's just weird. And I guess the main kid, Luca's not actually Italian, is he? No, but he kind of sounds more Italian than his parents do. That's true. Yeah. Because he's the one that would like, he would also randomly say Jesus. I don't know why that bothers to me. It just feels so stereotype. It feels like that is like the weird 2021 Pixar animated version of that's a spicy meatball. Mm, That's what it feels like. I just could never shake it every time they did that shit. Also, I don't understand really why the dad had to have one arm other than I guess that was part of the message of, you know, the way you're born, you can accept it and it's okay. I feel like that was kind Mm -hmm. of what they were trying to tie it into. It just didn't feel like they quite made it land. Like, I see it. I see the the dots. I just don't feel like they connected the dots. I feel like the line just stops between, it's like a dot one, dot two, dot three, and it was going to dot four, and they just stopped halfway. Like, I think that that's the point. It would make sense that that's the point, and I'm fine with that point. I just don't think that they really tied it together. Which to me goes back to what I was saying about this movie. It feels kind of lazy from Pixar. All these like hallmarks of what Pixar does, with the exception of the Cars movie. I think can we just say that anytime we talk about what Pixar's good at, we mean with pretty much every movie they've done with the exception of any Cars movie. <laughs> just by yeah. default. I just don't feel like they do any of that in this. They're typically better at resolving in the finale or in the third act. This one wasn't. They're typically better at visuals. This one wasn't. They're typically better at actually truly tying their themes together for a movie. I don't think this one does. It's it's there. All the elements are there. And if you're an adult, yeah, I'm sure you can connect all the dots and it's fine. But I think sometimes for kids, they need to be more connected. I don't think this one does it. I don't know. I'm done for now. Heather, go. Yeah, I mean, I I see the merit in a lot of what you're saying, too. And I think that, you know, those are things I didn't notice, but you're right. I can't disagree really with a lot of what you're saying. I do think that the the dad having the, the one arm, I, I did like that because I do think you're right. It was that message of, you can accept how you are and, and it's fine, you know, but, um, just in general, the fact that they're, you know, making characters, important characters in Disney films now that are not perfect characters. 
um, I think that that is important. And I think it's really cool that they're doing that. Um, I will, and I also, just as a side note, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this one, but I will say I did like this movie better than Finding Nemo. I know that everyone loves Finding Nemo. I personally think that that movie is super overrated. It's fine, but it's not like at all a favorite of mine. And I know people love that movie. So I will say I like this movie more than Finding Nemo, but less than Onward. (laughs) I don't know what that says about my rankings of these Disney films. But um, yeah, I think think that um, something I did appreciate also about this movie, because as... um, you know, we talked about, which is a really good point that I believe it was Sterling that brought up about how it really is so specifically geared more towards kids. Um, and I think because of that, even more so now thinking about that, I appreciate the fact that there wasn't really like a love story. It was just a story of friendship between people and story, you know, story of accepting who you are. And I think that that is, you know, I mean, there are a few movies that are Disney movies that have done that, you know, like, um, you know, Moana did that, you know, there, there are some that there's not really that love story or whatever, but, um, I don't know. I think that because it really does feel like it's more about the importance of friendship and being there for each other, no matter who you are, no matter what, I think that it was good that they didn't really have that romance in this movie specifically. So I thought that was kind of a cool a little bit more of a boldish move, I guess, because, you know, everybody loves a good love story. I think that it was kind of cool that they made it a little different and it wasn't about that. Um, I do, um, I, I do like, and I think this is also part of why I like Onward so much is because the backstory of it, of why it was made. And I know for this film, um, the director of of this film, uh, what is his name? I'm blanking on his name. Um, oh yeah, uh, Enrico Casarosa. He based this movie off of his friendship with a friend, a childhood friend of his, named Alberto. So this is basically a story about him and his friend. And Were they sea monsters? Yes, it was a it was basically a biography of them as children. But no, I just think you know, I I just appreciate when Disney Pixar they do these movies that or the writers or directors of them are basing it off of like personal stories. And I'm just I'm really coming to appreciate that more in some of these things and So I I just really like that aspect of it and that he, you know, he did this based off of his own childhood and people that he knew as a child. Um, I also just really like the scene in the movie uh, when they are doing the, the race and the competition and all that stuff. I really liked how they were sort of all like supporting each other, how they were like, you know, if one was not doing well at something, the other one would try to come in and help so that they were doing better. And I just liked that bond and that, you know, connection they had and the, just that showing that loyalty and that friendship with each other, I thought was just a really cool 
um, aspect of the movie. But I mean, and I think honestly, that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I mean the animation in it, the way it looks, it didn't bother me in any sort of way, but I do see the point about how, you know, they could do better. (laughs) Um, but I just really, and you're right. I did think it was a very abrupt ending. Um, only a little bit. I was like, Oh, okay. It's over. It wasn't like, well, that was too quick to know what's going to happen. Or that just threw me for a loop because they didn't connect anything. Like they tied everything up, but you're right. They did it in like three minutes. Everything was tied up in three minutes. Everything was good. We're all set. You know, even the whole like, Hey, you're going to stay with uh, Julia's mom and you're going to go to school. It's all good. Like just really a very quick change and very abrupt ending to it. Um, but I did also like the, like the end credits when they're showing like the pictures of these people, you know, writing letters to each other, um, you know, FaceTime each other, whatever it was they were doing. I thought that was kind of cool to show that, you know, their friendship continued and their relationships with each other continued after everybody kind of went their separate ways in a way. So, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, there's, there's just very particular parts of the movie that I was like, oh, that was done well. I really like this aspect of it. But as a whole, again, it's just like, oh, cool. That was a movie. I guess it was good. You know, like it, it doesn't wow me. It's not a wow me type of movie, but like we were saying, it's not bad either. It's just, yeah, I, I just think because of the standard and what we have seen, we're just kind of like, okay, it's just kind of in the mix with a lot of other movies right now or a lot of other Pixar Disney movies. Um, but again, it's, it's not that it's not worth watching. And I do think Jason is right too about, you know, they explore this Italian culture more and we haven't really had that in, in one of these movies before. So that was really cool too. And, um, yeah, but I just, uh, and, and I will also say that when they, when they had jokes, they were doing like when they were trying to be humorous or witty or whatever, for the most part that did play well, you know, it paid off. It actually, the jokes seemed to mostly land, um, as, as much as you can really do for it being, you know, a film geared towards kids. So I did appreciate that too. It was humorous. Um, for the most part, for the parts that it was supposed to be. So yeah, it, again, just overall, I like the reason that the story was told and I like the friendship between the three characters, Julia and Alberto and Luca. Um, that was the best part. Those were the highlights or that specifically was the highlight for me was that friendship between those three. And, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's, of course, different ways you could have told this story and it had the same effect, you know, them being sea monsters. That was a different, unique sort of take, but I just, again, you could replace that with a different, you know, setup of, Oh, what they turn into and whatever. Um, but it, it, it did its job, you know? So it, um, and I guess that aspect sort of helped move along parts of the story a little bit, but yeah, honestly, it's it's one of those where 
I can't be like, oh, like, remember this part? It was so good. I love this part. I walked away and I just had this revelation of a moment, you know, like there's none of that, but it's still a fine movie. So yeah, that's all I have for now. Justin, what about you? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I definitely understand a lot of the things that, uh, you guys said, um, for me, I just don't think that the issue was, um, any of the visuals or anything. I, I don't think any, nothing stood out to me as a problem per se with the visuals. Uh, I just think that, you know, sometimes the more familiar something feels and looks, the less interesting it is. And sometimes that you, you associate your interest in something or the quality of something, uh, you, you know, whether or not you think how, or I guess how good you think sometimes a movie is, has an effect on how you see everything else. If you think the film is amazing, then you're probably going to think the visuals are too. You know, now somebody might be able to argue, well, this movie looked better than that one. But if you didn't like it as well, it might affect how you saw everything else. And like with this one, I just think that like when I think about the Pixar movies that I like, there are always kind of these interesting visuals. This one really wasn't necessarily trying to do that because it was more about showing Italy and being Italian and different things like that. So there is a very, so I don't think it was so much focused on this big look more than it was trying to give you just an Italian setting and feel. It was trying to give you summertime in Italy. So that was kind of the aim of this. But when I think about other Pixar movies, just like Soul, we keep going back to Soul. But I mean, Soul is great. So it's okay to go back to it. But like in that, you know, we got to go to this abstract world with all of these characters and concepts and stuff like that. So yes, even though we were in New York and you got to see New York City and and that was and much like how this movie did, they took an actual setting and it was just very much about trying to nail that New York setting. But the other half of the movie was we got to be in this abstract world and all of this stuff. I think about Inside Out. And yes, while we have human beings and we've just got regular, we're in a regular apartment or we're in a home and different things like that, but there was this other place that we got to go to. There was this whole at this whole world that was in this little girl's mind. And we got to, you know, see her imagination. We got to see a part of her that was childish. And then we got to see another world that represented her maturity and all of these other different things. Those, so that gives you the opportunity to, to have some abstract visuals and stuff like that. In Toy Story, we're seeing the world from the perspective of toys. So, so automatically there are some visuals, there are some things they can do like when we're in pizza planet or we're underneath a truck or something like that you know in those films i feel like they sort of lend themselves to doing more interesting things having more interesting concepts i think what happened to this film though is that uh, you know when it was underwater and as good as it looked 
we've seen a lot of these familiar beats before. And I think that that's just kind of what happened to this. You know, I don't think it was the visuals. It was the story that was the problem with this. Like whenever we were underwater and I'm watching Luca and he's just so like, and he just has this big desire to want to get above the ocean you know he wants to go onto the surface and you see him kind of yearning to go to the surface well i mean i couldn't help but think about stuff like moana i couldn't help but think about stuff like the little mermaid and it just felt the same you know i so I wasn't immediately invested in this, in him and what he was trying to do and things like that, because I just felt like I was watching something kind of familiar, you know, and then even with like the, that they were sea monsters and stuff like that. And that was kind of unique. You know, you're a sea monster here in the sea, but when you get to the surface, you become like a full human being. It would have been nice to kind of understand that a little bit more. And I think that that's what was missing in this movie. The lore and the world building, I think, is very low tier for what I normally get from Pixar's. Just like what you were saying, Heather, about how in Onward, what did they do at the beginning of that? It was this whole huge backstory and that was all about world building. Okay, this is what happened. You know, we had these magicians and they had these sorcerers and they had these magical powers but then as technology came they they started to kind of not practice those things and kind of accepted a more practical means of life so now here we are we're in this society that has kind of forgotten this legacy of magic that was cool i'm sitting here wondering what was the relationship between the sea monsters and this town I don't think that that was really ever properly explained. That's why a very ta- good point. Why did the townspeople want to kill them so badly? Did something happen? Was there a war? Did did was a child kidnapped and <laughs> was missing? And they they saw a sea monster take him. So now everybody is just sort of like adopted this credo that we're not going to let the sea monsters you know what was the what was the tumultuous relationship between the the sea monsters and the townspeople you never really got that i think i know it justin i think the whole war started when alberto stole that man's record player and he went back to town (laughs) and he's like you know what fuck these sea monsters they stole the only record player in town and just war. <laughs> so, like, well, hell, I mean, that's as good of an explanation as anything because we didn't get one. And that's really, to me, one of the biggest flaws of this movie. Like, so whenever these characters are like, oh, I'm going to gut them, I'm going to kill them, I'm going to, I'm going to kill these sea monsters, you don't understand where that anger and that hate and that disdain is coming from. And it almost feels like it doesn't come from anywhere. And then when you think about the end of the movie, it was almost like, well, maybe that was done on purpose because we knew we were going to have this quick ending where everybody tolerates and accepts. And if you have a sad backstory, if you have a well thought out backstory, then you may not be able to justify everybody accepting at the end. 
So maybe the decision was, well, we won't go into that so that this that so that this quick ass ending will make a little more sense. So they probably avoided it for the sake of needing to have acceptance at the end. And okay, I get it. Yes, not having that did work better for this ending because you didn't have to explain it. But that doesn't make it a good or spellbounding or thoughtful ending. It just kind of felt like all these characters suddenly changed their tune over a, a race. I mean, nobody was like, wait, they're right. dangerous or wait, why, how can we live with these people? Or you mean to tell me these old people were sea monsters the whole time? How many other people are sea monsters? Is our governor a sea monster? Is, you know, I, I just feel like if this was a town, if this was a town full of paranoid, kind of bigoted uh people that were like man these sea monsters are a problem i just don't feel that they would be so accepting because of the events that occurred and 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 even though you didn't really explain the volatile relationship between the townspeople and the sea monsters you didn't explain it but that doesn't mean that you get to get away with this at the end it still felt like this should have been a much tougher resolution and it just wasn't and it sucks because i did like where the characters arrived i liked that luca w- was going to school i liked all of that but still even with that there should have been more questions where is this school are they going to accept are they going to suddenly accept sea monsters i mean i'm just imagining this boy going to school <laughs> a sea monster and now everybody knows it and he's at school by himself. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine how how is this kid not going to be bullied? How is this kid not going to be looked at differently anytime he gets wet or his skin changes or anything like that? You know, the townspeople were there to have this moment of acceptance. But when you go off to school or you're going somewhere else to some other location for school, it's a whole nother ball game. In my opinion, I feel like that's just going to be that that's going to be maybe that'll be part two that'll be luca too man and we'll really get down in the dirt with some of this stuff but yeah that was just yeah it's just because he's he's one rainy day away from being exposed like one rainy day exactly hell breaking loose because now you're a sea monster at some location that we're assuming is now inland so these people that don't even have concepts of sea monsters or all of a sudden going to be exposed to the sea monster. Exactly. And that's going to open up a whole new can of worms. And you've got no parents. You've got nobody there that's really going to support you except your other friend you, who is the same age as you. So, I mean, I, I just felt like there are a lot more hurdles for Luca to have to go through. Um, but hell, dare I say that would make a great second movie. A second movie that might have more potential to be better than this movie. Maybe then we could find out a little bit more about the sea monster land people relationship and have him have some struggles in schools. I'd honestly be down for that. I think it might come out better than a, than this movie did. But like, but still, that that was just all a big problem, and it's all just comes back to storytelling. And another thing that just kind of irked me about this is Sterling. You kind of alluded to it, but the whole when you get wet, you become 
a sea monster thing did work for some instances. And there are points in the story where they try to build this tension of like, oh no, if this character gets wet, he's going to be found out and all of this stuff like that. So they play around with that concept. And I didn't hate it. It made um, the movie kind of fun. It tried to give the movie some tension with the characters and stuff like that. But a lot of times, like you said, people were just miraculously drying off from things that you know wouldn't dry them off. Or they, there, there were situations where they would just suddenly be dry and be back to human again in the blink of an eye so that the character looks and, oh, he's a human again before I caught him. Uh, you know, and so, and not all of those worked for me. Sometimes it was just hard to suspend my disbelief because I was like, no, he would still be wet or no, that wouldn't have worked or no, there's no way that that character would have been dry. And then they really just got me uh, during that race. Whenever our villain character tripped him and he was in the, the diving suit and the helmet comes completely off. And his entire sea monster head is exposed. And I mean, it was exposed for at least three to five seconds. All these town people are spectating watching this race. And nobody saw that shit. Like, I mean, he fell down face first, had to grab that helmet and and put it back on. And he was just full sea monster face. And nobody saw it. People are just continuing to cheer and go, yay, go human beings. And I just thought that that was so funny. I was like, okay, now come on now. Somebody would have saw that. But, you know, it, and I get that it's a kid's movie and stuff like that. But just some of those, how they were drying each other off and different things like that. Some of those um, just didn't really work for me. I, I just kept going. He wouldn't be dry. He wouldn't be dry. But yeah, to me, those were like the biggest like knocks against the film. You should have developed that lore. And also, I liked what you said, Sterling, about the grandmother and how her and Luca should have had a moment. I do agree with that. There should have been something there. There should have been an adult kind of somewhere in between that understood that character, understood why he was different. And all you needed was a little conversation of her to explain that. And then we would have gotten it at the end. Oh, that's why she felt that way, because she's already done this. She's already kind of taken this journey and stuff like that. And that's why she understands him. And even though, yes, they kind of had it, that's kind of like the hallmark of this film. They kind of had things, but it just never dove deep enough. Another <laughs> water pun. It just never dove deep enough to really get into some of these things. It had a lore. There was some world building, but it didn't dive deep enough. You had uh, an adult here that maybe could have bridged the gap and made it not so much about the kid being right and the parents being wrong. But you didn't dive deep enough. You had this concept of tolerance and acceptance and things like that. And those are all great concepts. They're very good concepts. But because you weren't willing to dive deep enough with certain characters and certain things, we didn't get the emotional resonance that some of those issues and subject matters deserve and that's why i think what you said um what you both were kind of saying is correct 
It winds up being a movie for kids to enjoy, but it just doesn't quite have the depth. I'm going to stop using these water terms eventually, but it just doesn't quite have the depth to reach adults like other great Pixar movies. So that's why you just wind up going, man, this is good. You know, it, it, it has diversity. It has good visuals. It has good messages. It has all the ingredients, but we just didn't make the cake that we made with soul. We didn't make the cake that we made with Wally. We didn't make the cake that we made with Toy Story. We made something serviceable, passable. You know, I'll eat it. You know, if, if you cut me a piece, I'll eat it. But I'm not going to remember it like I did those cakes. I mean, I think that's kind of a good point, Justin. It has all the ingredients there. They're just not fully realized. It's like if, you know, you put all the ingredients for a cake in front of somebody, but they're not measured out, you know, and you don't tell them what the measurements are. You just go, here are the ingredients for a cake. Put however much you think of each one in and make a cake. And it's like they did it and they got close to it in some regards. You know what I mean? It's not like overly salty. It's not, you know, not too much baking soda, all this other stuff. It's just not quite the right measurements that they typically do. You know? Yeah. It's just yeah. off. It's it's kind of like those pancakes you get that you microwave. Yeah, they're technically pancakes. <laughs> but they're not really what you want when you want pancakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Those ones that like come like in like packets of two or three that are just like in that clear plastic wrapping that are frozen and you microwave them. It's that. You eat them sometimes, like especially when you were growing up, at least I did as a kid, that we had those a lot for pancakes. We very rarely made pancakes in my house. We had those. But it's never what you wanted when you wanted pancakes. You know what I mean? You wanted those freshly griddled flapjacks. Instead, you got microwaved pancake-esque things. (laughs) It's just not what you want. It's not fully there. It's it's kind of right, but it's not it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like when you're really craving fucking Popeyes and you have to get bushes or some shit. It doesn't quite, it's not, it's technically the same shit. It's (laughs) chicken. You're getting chicken. It's not really the chicken you wanted. Yeah. Or when they overcook your steak or, you know, (laughs) you might eat it, but because you don't want to wait to have another one cooked but man it just it's not quite the same you know you might have an okay time but still man that steak wasn't hidden man because they overcooked it you know (laughs) yeah it's it's just it's almost there it's got all the pieces but it's not it did thematically it's like you said thematically it's got a great theme acceptance of who you are and other people should accept you for who you are and all this other shit but at the end of this movie it almost makes it seem too easy. Like just be it. And everybody will just accept you because there will be a one armed big man there to scare them into accepting you. Like, yeah, it's, 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 there should be a little bit more. Like, honestly, something should have happened where like the little girl falls into the sea and like Alberto or Luca go and save her or something Just show the town. They're not monsters. Other than the fact that this one guy says, 
I know who they are. They're not monsters. And everybody goes, yeah, all right. Yeah, look at him. He big, man. We got to listen to him. Man, that is so true. And and it's and it sucks because there was a really great line in this. There was a profound line. And I want to say um, the grandmother said it. I want to say the mother and the grandmother were having a conversation. And they were talking about Luca. And I want to say it was the grandmother. I hope I'm right about this. But the grandmother said, um, not everybody is going to accept him, but he is very good about finding people who do accept him. Yeah, and she says something like that at the end of the movie. That's the, yeah, and sometimes that's the most important thing. And I loved that line. That is such a great line. That is, that is like an excellent line that is the kind of line that you expect in a great pixar movie but i wish we had gotten to see some of that actually play out like the i wish that we had gotten to see that to i wish they had like focused on maybe showing that hardship that not everybody's going to accept there should have been some townspeople that didn't accept there should have been some, you know, I, I just think, like you said, it was too easy. And I wish it had been more like that line that was stated and less like what they wound up doing, which was sort of just kind of an easy, quick way to go. Well, the movie didn't earn the line is what it is. It, Yes. Yeah. I also thought of another potential beginning to the human sea monster feud. The grandmother mentions <laughs> that she beat a guy at cards in the past when she went to land. That could oh. have been it. Oh. Okay. Okay. I like that one too. <laughs> but I mean, I guess you're right, Justin. This movie, it felt like there could have been lore, but they didn't have it. They didn't have it in the movie. It felt like it was yeah. there, kind of, because technically things were happening, you know, that were lore-esque. It just, it, it's not there, though. It To me, it's just, it's not, it really is just an incomplete movie. Maybe they should have just added 15 minutes to this movie, still been an hour 45, not ridiculously long, and just depthened the whole movie out because you could have in this movie, you know, just added some depth, not like have the grandmother's story in there, you know, have some more trials and tribulations, especially towards the end, you know, like just something like, you know, have like, you know, cause Julia was like fucking telling them about astronomy and all this other shit. Why was there nothing in her school books about like, you know, sea monsters in the past. They could have easily done the whole backstory with the humans and the monsters in something like that versus yeah. the universe, which I get the universe. I kind of liked some of the visuals there, but that's actually the visuals I did like in this movie when it was like Luca's imagination going through stuff. I actually kind of, oh, yeah, those he was visuals. running on Saturn. That was yeah, great. Those were some, those were some nice visuals that I will give it credit for that. Those were the times this movie I thought actually did something visually stunning. Outside of that, I'm like, why? But instead of doing that, why couldn't you have done the history of like the like the sea monsters and them, especially with that town? 
gone into the history of that town and why it like particularly has a history with sea monsters. And you could have had Luca flashback to that. You know what I mean? And could have gone through his imagination with that. Something just intriguing like that. Yeah. Just tied like, this and there movie was a part, up. Yeah. It really needed that. And then I even remember, um, it had, you got me thinking about that part where he's looking around and there are all these like posters, statues, artist renditions of people slaughtering these sea monsters. What was that about? Exactly. Like, That's what I'm saying. Is there were lore elements there, but they didn't fucking do anything with it. You know, like, and if it is so ingrained into their culture that they consider it art that these men and these people are on their walls, on statues, they have statues to glorify these sea monster killers. It just makes it so hard to believe at the end that all these people would be so accepting unless something bigger happened to justify that. Like you said, some lives being saved by these sea monsters. You're, you are, you, you are dead on with that. It needed something bigger than this race thing. There needed to be something bigger at stake, and they needed to do something to overcome the lore of this town. But, hell, we didn't know it. So, And see, I, I just think that, and that's why I just... I really think that that is it. They didn't want to explain that so that they could justify this race solving everything at the end, you know, and and they just wanted to keep it so light. So they just didn't want to do anything with any higher stakes, you know, and, yeah. and that's unfortunate. Well, they really could have told the history of the sea monster thing. I mean, like, yeah, you know, throughout our history, we've had people that have battled the sea monsters and all this other stuff. And Luca could have asked, well, how did it all start? And they could have gone, you know what? Nobody knows. We just know they're monsters. So then that way you don't have like a terrible inciting incident other than it was just they're the other. And then that's why you can solve it a little easier because it wasn't like, you know, our town's founder was killed by a sea monster or some shit. Just be like, no one actually knows. We just know that we don't like sea monsters. And then they'd be, then yeah. that's, that's why it's easy to learn like, oh, they're not really any different than us and it's okay. We can like the sea monsters. You can have it be that simple because sometimes things are that simple. Not always, but sometimes people just mistrust someone else because they're just different. Yeah. You can have it be that simple. That's kind of what they were kind of implying in this movie. But once again, like we've said before, they didn't quite get there. They implied it. But, you know, to quote, you know, Justin's kind of catchphrase sometimes on this, show it, don't say it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and the only thing I was really able to find regarding that, too, about, you know, why why do the humans hate the sea monsters is just, um, I saw a quick blurb about basically they're they're just afraid of them. They think they're dangerous, and that's why they hunt them. So that's the yeah. only thing I could find, though. So, which is, is kind of what I said, but the movie... It hints at it, but it didn't just yeah. explicitly say it. Like, just show it. Just show us, the, like, you know, like just show a scene where the, Julia just goes, yeah, man, sea monsters are scary. And it's like, why? Well, they're monsters. It's that simple. We called them monsters, so they're monsters. Right. And then, she, then they can be like, oh, they're not monsters. And, so, you know, 
how many fucking movies have we seen like that? Where everybody thinks the monster's bad and the monster's not really bad. He was just misunderstood. That's been a common fucking right. trope in how many fucking things? I mean, shit, that's yeah. basically the entire story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> He's just misunderstood. Yeah. It's been around they for how have long? executed better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this movie didn't want to commit to anything. <laughs> that's like, it just didn't want to commit. Because if it committed to something, it would actually have to fulfill something. See, I'm starting to like this movie less the more we talk about it. <laughs> it's It had potential. It just, it didn't quite fucking live up to it. This movie was me in high school. I have potential, I just didn't live up to it. It's the same shit. <laughs> this movie is me fucking 17 years ago. And that's sad movie. Because that's what Pixar does. Pixar lives up to the potential. That's why I don't like this. I hope the next Pixar movie's good. Just do get it out of the way. Do Toy Story 5 and just heal all the fucking damage you've done, Pixar. Just do it. Any other thoughts about this movie, guys? Nope. I'm good. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where Cinema Slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're cinema underscore slayers. A uh, shout-out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate that. I don't know why I always say, uh, right before that. I think I do that every outro. I go, uh, give us a five-star rating and review. I don't know why. It's not like I'm really needing a filler word. I know what the fuck I'm going to say. But either way, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Especially tell your mothers. because. Mothers didn't like this movie either because it wasn't made for adults, but they all saw it because their kids wanted to see it. So they need to listen to this episode, especially because they will 100% agree with me as mothers always do. And it's partially because of my voice. And that's just how it happens. Even if you have to lie to somebody, lie to somebody and tell them, look, listen to this because Sterling is not an asshole in this episode. We all know I was. We all know I am in pretty much every episode. But they won't think I'll be one in this. And they'll listen to it and they'll go, man, they lied to me. Sterling was an asshole, but they'll still appreciate it nonetheless. And they'll want to listen to this episode and they'll want to listen to more episodes. So just tell people about us. Uh, wow. Wow, what? <laughs> that was a very deep explanation this time. It was. I'm really trying to get the mothers to listen. That's all I want. I want mothers to listen. I want us to be the number one podcast for mothers. Because that just makes sense to me for some weird reason. They need right. to listen to some guy talk about a kid's movie saying fuck way too much. That's what mothers need in their life. Yeah, because they're probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> they just can't say it because their kids are around. Exactly. So just listen to us in your headphones while you're, you know, you're doing whatever, while you're working or whatever. And it'll prepare you whatever movie your kids are making you watch or the movies that you don't get to watch because of your kids or the movies that you just watch when your kids are asleep or the movies you watch with your kids. I don't want to pigeonhole mothers into anything. You can do whatever you want. So live your life mothers, but listen to this podcast because that's all I want. Just all the mothers and non mothers can listen to. That's fine. I'm not a mother. 
You know, Heather's not a mother. Jastin's not a mother. So it's fine. This podcast is for everybody, but I just want mothers to listen. Like, that's that's who I'm targeting. Jastin and Heather are covering everybody else. I want the mothers. This somehow just became like a Mother's Day special episode or something. It is. <laughs> I still don't know why I started that. I don't know why I, don't I started just targeting <laughs> mothers. I think it's just because of how absurd I am in every one of these episodes. But yes, tell your friends, tell your family, especially tell mothers. Tell mothers about how much I talk about mothers in this specific outro. They'll appreciate it. <laughs> and just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Somebody the seaweed is always Nobody knows anything but you. Somebody else is You is a big mistake. Cinema Just forget the world Slayer. around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea, under the sea, under the sea. Darling is better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on this shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they save away. While we devoting full time to floating under the sea. This movie that might have been had, my favorite. I won't comment on that. But this movie should have had like the, a little medley of that, just like the music or something, at some point. Because yeah. that song is kind of how the parents felt with Luca. <laughs> yeah. So it should have just had it at one point. Like, whenever he was doing his dream sequence or something, there should have just been, like, the, the melody of that in the background. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunities. Still no points. Oh. I'm out. <laughs>